0: When were the... What schools? <laughs> Who decides what the next... Where's that story? Why they
1: keep the loop... What is this?
0: It's Curious City.
1: Where WBEZ answers your questions...
0: About Chicago, the region, and its people. Hi, Shannon Heffernan here to answer a question from a listener about an old Chicago attraction. It was near and dear to some, but as you'll hear, it definitely had a dark side... When our questioner, Ross Broat, moved to Roscoe Village a few years ago, he started hearing about an old amusement park that used to be in the area. He saw a mural of the park at a local bar, and there were photos of it in thrift stores. He got curious.
1: You can ask around, but you never really get a full answer.
0: It turns out Ross stumbled onto a Chicago icon, Riverview Amusement Park. Opened in 1904 and closed in 1967.
1: The most interesting part about it is it seemed a little creepy and strange, and I wanted to know more about it.
0: We took that as a challenge. We found a ton of stories from the park. Right now, we focus on two rides that get at some of the stranger aspects that Ross mentioned. One ride was called the African Dip. We'll hear about that in a minute. Let's start off at the park's entrance. With the giant face of Aladdin's Castle dared visitors to enter the fantastical funhouse. Chuck Vlodachik starts us off. You know, in Aladdin's Castle, when you started walking up the stairs, about the fourth or fifth stair up was a big air hose, where a guy sat there and operated the air hoses to blow the ladies' skirts up as they negotiated the stairs. To the cheers of the 400 guys that were standing in front of the, the, the fence in front of Aladdin's
1: Castle, there was always a crowd there. In the funhouse, you never know what's going to be there until you get to it. It was kind of like the things would jump out at you and flash by you, you know, and you'd go, ah, it was so scary. And it kind of was. And um, you walked in and there were hallways with mirrors. And so as you walked through, you would see your image change. You would be
0: 500 pounds and you would be maybe four feet tall. And then when you got to another set of mirrors, your body would be elongated and very skinny.
1: You know, there's no reference point to being surrounded by all these images of yourself.
0: I know one one distinctive part of it was when these little, like, hairy things would come down and they would touch on your head, so you would feel like it was spiders. And I remember my wife telling me that she screamed so much when she was in there, they had to turn the lights on and usher everybody out
1: there were all these like tilted floors and i remember my father standing on the other side of that section and trying to get me to walk across and me being really really scared and i think in hindsight perhaps my father was enjoying watching how i reacted to it, hmm. it gives me a new insight into my father were you to approach me on the street and you ask me, gosh, do you remember Riverview? Certainly I do. And it evokes pleasant memories as a young guy. But my mind would always come back to this cage. There were white guys on the one side and the black men were in cages.
0: As long as I can remember, they always had black fellows sitting on
1: these benches above these dump tanks. And if you hit this target the guy in the tank would fall in the water. And for a couple of years, they called it the African dip. And before that, uh, dunk the N-word. No, I saw that, and as a kid, I, I was kind of ashamed of that, you know? I mean, it was something I was not interested in. And the other thing is, I didn't see anybody else that was African American throwing the ball. During that time, you know, we're talking about in the 50s, that was when everything was started changing. There are those of us who grew up watching uh, tapes from all these riots in the street. You know, we had Emmett Till was killed. Things were changing in Chicago. And to some extent, this person represented what they feared, along with those people who just did it for fun. And I clearly remember participating. I mean, I fancied myself as a baseball player and my very close friend. We were both so very accurate at at knocking the guy into the water. Chicago, uh, in the 1950s, uh, had some serious issues about race. So I know my parents would talk about it, and they hated that that guy was doing that, whoever uh, was performing. But on the other hand, they recognized that jobs were tough to come by. And uh, the guys who did that got paid. If, if, if I could have got the job, I want to be in there myself, you know, and make people throw and mess with, mess with their heads so that they would miss.
0: And, and the guys, they they loved their job, you know, because they were heckling people. I know my uncle was a little on the heavy side, and they, hey buddy, hey fatty, man, you're carrying load. You better not stop at the beer garden. Don't get no hamburger. Oh, hey,
1: hey, skinny. But that was to encourage white people to get ang- angry at them. And- throw the ball. Of course, he, he, that is the black man, had to be very careful not to go over this imaginary line where the white guy would wait for him after his shift was over and beat the crap out of him or worse. I remember this couple of guys just throwing the ball at the cage, which I couldn't quite, you know, calculate. It's the target, man. You're missing the target. There was much of the N word flying, it was, I realized there's something wrong here, something wrong here. But this same friend and I, before he died, he and I uh, talked about it. And I would always say, you know, we were just, you know, participating. He said, yeah, but we should have been smarter than that. Well, I mean, look at it like this. I mean, here you're talking to somebody who was a kid there at the time. I was having fun. So whatever negative things are going on, if you, a black person in America, doing the fifties and the forties or whatever, that was the norm. That was normal stuff. That was America.
0: That was Tassama's son. We also heard from Richard Steele, Chuck Flodacek, Gerald Stein, Roxanne Laux, Peron Rami, and Paul, who didn't want to use his last name. Did you get a mental picture of Riverview listening to those descriptions? Want to get a little closer to the real thing? Head to WBEZ.org where we put together an interactive map of Riverview, complete with home videos. Reporting and production came from me, Shannon Heffernan, with help from Derek John. Our original version was broadcast in 2013, and we heard back from a lot of you that maybe our version was a little bit darker than what you remembered. You can read other people's amazing memories of Riverview online. Thanks to Ross Brodt for the question. Curious City was founded by Jennifer Randall, WBEZ, Air, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City on WBEZ is supported by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible is offering Curious City listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash curiouscity and download a title and start listening on your iPhone, iPad, Kindle, Android device, Windows Phone, or over 500 different MP3 devices. Audible suggests Curious City listeners may enjoy books about Chicago like The Devil in the White City or Fire on the Prairie. That's at AudiblePodcast.com slash Curious City. Next time on Curious City. Ever wonder if the stuff in Chicago's recycling bins just ends up in a landfill somewhere? Well, turns out, it goes all around the world. What you put in your
1: recycling bin is put there so somebody else can consume it. You're doing an environmental good deed, but you're also competing directly with, say, a bauxite miner who's pulling bauxite out of the ground to be made into aluminum cans. You're competing against a logger. I mean, you're part of a commodity business.
0: Beyond the Blue Bin, next time on WBEZ's Curious City.
1: and rewind. NPR's Line takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Line wherever you get your podcasts.